What's up, everybody? I'm Chris Hampton, your host. No, I'm just kidding. It's me, it's Lana. I'm the office manager here at Power Company. I just wanted to pop in real quick and tell you about something special we're doing. Hopefully you've been enjoying these daily episodes of essays from Chris's book, The Hard Truth, Simple Ways to Become a Better Climber. Maybe you're even thinking you'd like to snag a copy of the book for yourself. Well, it's the perfect time to do so, because right now, through June 10th, in celebration of the one-year anniversary, when you purchase a copy of The Hard Truth, we'll be sending you some extra freebies. And I don't know about you, but I love freebies. Okay, so in addition to a copy of the book and some stickers, you'll also get a commit journal, which is a little notebook that's easy to throw in your pack, jot down some quick notes or whatever, three postcards of illustrated charts from our good friend Brendan Leonard of Semi-Rad Media, and another one of Brendan's charts from the book, The Success Built from Failure's Pyramid, in the form of a refrigerator magnet. So you can slap it on your fridge or camp stove or back of a car, wherever. Oh yeah, and Chris is going to sign your book too, so that's pretty neat. So head on over to powercompanyclimbing.com, click on the hard truth button, or banner, whatever, and you'll get yourself a copy. The offer runs now through June 10th, or until we run out of the free stuff, so don't dilly-dally. And you can find that link in the show notes too, on your handy-dandy pocket supercomputer, as Chris would say. Okay, now on with the show. Intimidated? Our egos are ruthless. Whether we want them to be or not, they're always there hiding just beneath the surface ready to throw a wrench in the works. I recently spoke with a climber who was feeling, for the first time ever, competitive about his climbing. I've seen climbers stop a session early because they, admittedly, didn't want to look bad by failing on a 5.11 in front of people. Years ago, at Rocktown, a popular bouldering area in Georgia, I encountered it myself for the first time in quite a while. The day started off strong, having on-sighted a V5 while warming up and sending my V8 project, the vagina, in just a few attempts. I figured that with temps nearing perfection, now would be the time to go check out my ultimate dream boulder, Golden Harvest V10. As I approached the boulder from the backside, I could hear voices and, strangely, found myself hoping that the climbers were working on the V5 next to Golden Harvest. They weren't. There were three guys working on Golden Harvest, and according to the incessant spray, they were all close to sending. They looked strong. They were obviously dedicated boulders, while I toted around a pad older than their climbing careers. I took a little time to commit, not wanting to make a fool of myself by falling off the first moves, which, from the looks of things, were quite difficult. After watching several attempts from the climbers and taking a deep breath, I found myself standing at the start holds of one of the most beautiful boulders in the southeast. I had watched the beta intently, visualized myself making the first couple moves, and stepped on without hesitation. To my surprise, the, what had appeared to be difficult, first move went easily. I almost hesitated on the second move, thinking that I must be doing something wrong for it to feel this doable. On my first try, I was able to get set up for the crux move and move toward the distant, hard-to-snag hold. 
I was nowhere even close to hitting it, but on that first attempt, I had equaled the high point of these stronger climbers and, more importantly, had vanquished the jitters. While sitting there on my ancient pad, psyching up to commit to trying, I had a few important thoughts. Regardless of the outcome, the situation was going to end up a positive one. Here's why. Playing it safe is the biggest risk of all. How many times have you returned home from a climbing trip only to say to yourself, damn, I should have at least tried it while I was there? The cost of missed opportunities is far greater than what you pay for the attempt. In my case, it was important for me just to try the boulder. I had admired it many times and many times had passed on the opportunity, wondering what it would take to climb it. Now I have a much better idea. Trick yourself into believing. The human psyche is a complex thing. If you don't believe something, you can't just tell yourself to believe it and poof, it's done. While it isn't necessarily a trick, you do have to find creative ways to convince yourself to believe. Because it isn't steep and the holds are sloping side poles and odd underclings, it became immediately clear that Golden Harvest is all about balance, body position, and subtle movement. If I had to rank my climbing skills, those three would be at the top of the list. Also, while watching, one of the climbers, the most vocal of the group, claimed to have gotten a foot not quite right, though it appeared to me to be a straightforward foot cam that any crack climber would own. This boulder was mine for the taking. Throw your hat over the fence. My grandfather always told me that if you want to climb the fence but can't muster the courage, throw your hat over. Now you've got to climb the damn thing, or the hat is lost forever. For me, it makes me work harder if I announce my intentions. When the guys asked me if I wanted to try the problem, I responded, Someday I'm going to do it, so I may as well try it today. Sometimes I talk without thinking, and maybe overconfidently, but it's worked for me so far. I had already told my friends I was going to check it out, and now I told these guys. At that point, there isn't much choice but to give it a go. More often than not, I'm glad I speak up. When in doubt, remember the Ewoks. I'm not a Star Wars nerd by choice, but by default. Two roommates of mine in a row knew more about the stories than George Lucas. I've lost more games of Star Wars Trivial Pursuit than I can count. Now, there are stories in the film that I constantly refer to. One of these is the Ewoks. Originally, Lucas had Wookiees in mind for the battle with the Empire. He wanted to highlight the idea that simplicity could overpower technology. So he created a new species, the primitive and less intimidating Ewok, to fight and beat the Empire. I'm also not a full-fledged boulderer, but I've become part boulderer by necessity. No, I didn't have the latest crash pad or a brand new chalk pot. I still climbed more like a sport climber than a boulder. I hadn't done a single V10 and only one V9 while these guys sprayed about their packed tick lists. In short, I was intimidated. Once I took a minute to remember that my training and my skills were what I had to fall back on and that the only competition was between Golden Harvest and I, all of what I wasn't didn't seem to matter so much. What mattered is what I am, and that I was standing exactly where I wanted to be. Uh, 
Um, I am Sydney Smith, and I am the general manager at Momentum Silver Street, which is in Houston, Texas. It's a bouldering gym. Um, I've been general manager there for a couple years. And prior to that, was assistant manager. Never thought I would be in the climbing industry. Um, started out in engineering, but uh, found myself here, and I'm having a ton of fun with it right now. I add to that that I've worked with you in in a couple of different capacities, coming in and doing workshops and events and things like that. And you're you're one of the people I've worked with in the climbing world that I enjoyed working with the most. Uh-huh. You you obviously care so much about the team that you have there and and the the community that you've built there, and it's one of the the teams at a gym and the communities at a gym that when I encountered it, I wanted to latch onto it because it's just such a, a strong, tight knit community. That's so cool to hear. That's really cool to hear because when we first opened the gym, that was something you know there's been a climbing community in Houston for a long time, but it was really small and, um, adding this huge gym into the mix and an already growing community was, it felt like an obligation. Like Mm. what were we going to do to steer the culture of climbing in our city? Because, you know, if you're running a gym, you kind of, you know, whether you think about it that way or not, you're going to influence it in some way. So that's, cool to hear because it's always been something that's important to me and to the other people I work with. Well, and you know, I've seen it in, you know, several cities around the country, around the world, but it's usually in tiny little gyms where the best communities exist. And somehow you've done it in this big giant gym in a big giant city. And I think that's really admirable. And I, I feel like I can't take credit for it. There are so many great people. And well, I'm our giving community. you credit, so take it. Great people I work with, and it just, it's been so much fun. Well, good, good. I, I look forward to getting back there again. You know, cool. as times normalize, whatever that means, and and yeah. seeing that whole community again. So yeah. This, uh, this intimidated chapter is a kind of a special one for me. Um, it was a, it was a chapter that I wrote, you know, right after having these feelings for the first time in a long time. Um, it was an old essay on the blog and, and I hadn't really been intimidated in a while. I had kind of established myself in the Red River Gorge as a sport climber and, then I went out and went bouldering and suddenly felt my my ego like cropping up and saying, maybe you shouldn't climb right now. You're going to embarrass yourself, you know, and that was the first time I had felt that in a long time. And I, I have very distinct memory of that feeling. What about this chapter kind of speaks to you? How did you relate to it? Um. And am I allowed to ask you questions, by the way? Absolutely, for sure. I was kind of curious. Like, I love hearing when people talk about their egos in climbing. Because I feel like like, you kind of describe the ego as like something that like lurks in the bushes that we all have. And Mm -hmm. we know it's there, but we kind of don't know it's there until later. Um, So I like hearing people talk about their egos because I feel like I can learn lessons about myself through 
hearing it because it's usually relatable. You're like, oh, I'm probably doing that same thing. Um, but I think it's interesting that like, do you feel like you didn't have an ego with climbing for a long time? And I'm, that just seems unusual. Like it seems like everybody. <laughs> I, I absolutely had an ego. I had like gotten to a place in Red River Gorge where I felt extra confident and I was riding high on my ego. And then I go to this uncomfortable place and that was the first time it kind of, my ego challenged me. It's the first time I'd been challenged by it in a long time. So it wasn't that I didn't have an ego, just that I hadn't been really challenged by it. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think the reason to answer your question, the reason it really spoke to me is just because I feel like, you know, you describe in this, um, in your chapter about your ego getting in the way of, of this one problem. Um, and it feels like, like that one problem could almost be a metaphor for like my climbing career. I feel like I've really let my ego get in the way of my progress in climbing and in the way I've approached it. And so and once I kind of realized that, I remember it clicked for me a couple years ago and it was huge and it changed my attitude about climbing. It changed, you know, who I surrounded myself or at least who I like aim to surround myself with. I, I kind of, you know, have it in my head what kinds of attitudes I'm okay with being around because letting my ego get in the way can just be so toxic and take all the fun out of it for me. Not just fun, but can really just let me hold myself back. So this chapter spoke to me in a pretty big way. How did, how was it holding you back? How did it kind of stunt your progress? I feel like in, in a few different ways, um, you know, I was working at the climbing gym and I think working at the place where you also are trying to work out energy can be its own kind of its own battle. But um, opening the gym was a ton of work and I hadn't climbed in kind of a long time just because I was working all the time. And when I started, when I'd have time to go out for a session, um, I had like lost any climbing ability that I had had or it felt like that. And so I'd be really self-conscious. Like I couldn't climb in front of people and I'd be like, what? I'm the manager of this like big brand new gym. Like, and I'm falling on like these zeros and B ones. And like, I, I had that stuck in my head. And <laughs> so that would keep me from climbing. And then it was just this stupid snowball. And, um, it was actually after our gym hosted the national cup and you came down, uh, for that. Mm hmm yeah, for uh, the clinics. And it was at the National Cup where it clicked for me that I wanted to start climbing again. Uh, seeing professionals climb and compete was so cool. It was such a cool energy. Yeah. And I just realized like when I was thinking about what was keeping me from climbing, it was not time. Like it could be time management, but it was like I had time for it. I just was really scared to and intimidated to because like... And this is, this is a true story. I thought to myself, okay, what is literally the worst thing somebody could think of you when they see you climbing? And if you are like falling on something that you think you shouldn't fall on. And I was like, oh, they'd probably be like, why are you falling on that? And I shit you not, like 
my first or second week back into climbing, this guy at the gym who's kind of like this uh, came up to me and he saw me. I had been falling on a V0 and, um, you know, like maybe I could have like been sloppy and, and moved through a move, but I was just trying to do it right. And I was just having fun with the process and not trying to get my head, get into my head about like the fact that it was a V0. And he came up to me and he was like, why are you falling on a V0 right now? And it like, didn't, <laughs> it like didn't even hurt me when he said it. Cause I was like, Oh, that's literally like, <laughs> that was the worst thing somebody could have said. And it really doesn't bother me because like, I'm not letting my perceptions of what climbing should be matter to me right now. So I'm not going to let his perceptions matter to me. And like, that's always a bit of a struggle, but that like, let me release so much by just knowing that like my climbing journey was my own and I didn't need to justify it to anybody. And I didn't need to worry about what they thought about my climbing was like, huge. Yeah. It's, I think it's so powerful to imagine what the like worst thing that could happen is, um, and prepare yourself for that. And it, you know, in some ways it sucks that it happened immediately that there's this idiot guy who's the worst thing you imagined and he's right there all of a sudden in some ways that sucks. And in other ways, it's this huge test of your resolve and the fact that you were able to move past it means so much. And you can recall that anytime now that you're feeling intimidated or you feel that creeping in, you can be like, oh yeah, well, there was that one idiot guy who's the worst thing that could be, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I honestly, like I felt lucky in that. Like I just, laughed in that moment and it felt really good I like appreciated him for it and I was like yes <laughs> this is it somebody said it and it's fine so it's so interesting to me that you know I've felt it as a coach uh, especially when we go to new gyms you know Nate and I have talked about this quite a bit um, going into a new gym where you don't know anybody and people are looking at you like, oh, here, here are the guys on the podcast. These are these coaches. Let's see what they can do. You know, it's definitely yeah. intimidating. And, and being a, a manager of a gym, people come in, they see you at the desk. You're the expert they're looking to, to, you know, tell them about climbing. And it's very easy to feel like I don't have the expertise these people expect of me, you know, so yeah. I should maybe just not do anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. It's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Fucking tricky place to be and kudos to you for, for realizing it. I think it's very hard to realize that's what's getting in the way. And it's not just time management or, oh, I, I just don't want to do that anymore. You know, it's, it's easy to try and sidestep it and move on to other things and never end up being happy about it. Yeah, I think it could have been easy because I told myself very convincingly for, you know, a couple of years that I just wasn't doing it because like it wasn't for me and because, um, you know, I didn't have the time and because it was like mixing work and play. And that totally wasn't the case because I've like proved that wrong to myself over the you know last couple of years. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I do and I write about this in the chapter um, 
and I talk about my grandpa saying that, you know, to throw your hat over the fence. Um, and I've always loved that saying, you know, when I, when you want to do something, when you want to climb the fence, throw your hat over the fence, then you have to. And for me, that sort of manifests itself. And I actually did it at your gym at, you know, during that national cup series, um, rather than go straight to the thing that I would be good at, you know, so I'm showing off or showing out a little, I very often make my first climbs of the day something that I know I'm going to suck at. I know I'm going to fall off immediately, especially if other people are trying it and, you know, look like they're having a good time. I'll go join and fall off immediately. And that takes so much of the, like the pressure of me performing out of the equation. And then I can go, show me how you did that, you know? Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden they're, they're in my process. And, and then it, then it becomes this much more collaborative thing and it strips away that pressure in turn, letting my ego get a little more comfortable. That's awesome. That's totally ripping off the bandaid. Like kudos to you for, for doing that. Cause it would be, I feel like that'd be hard to do. It's hard at first. And, yeah. you know, just like you're, you know, like you said, it's ripping off a bandaid. It, it feels scary, but as soon as you take a step in, it's, it becomes this collaborative welcoming thing that we all really love. You know, we're just afraid to jump into it. And in your gym, it was actually, it was a, I remember it, it was a slab climb. Um, you may have been climbing on it. There were several women over there, um, all climbing it better than I was for sure. Um, and it was just fun to fall off the first couple moves. You know, it was the farthest right problem on the wall from the comp and just so much fun, so much collaboration when you're, when you're all falling off, feeling silly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Egos are tough. How are you managing it in the gym now? Like you got through that initial step. Do you feel like you're still bumping up against things, especially as you're trying to get stronger, as you're trying to improve your climbing, you know, more and more pressure starts coming from different directions. Are you, do you feel like you're managing it well? That's a good question. I mean, I feel like probably a year from now, I'll look back at myself now and like have more thoughts about it. It's hard to see, you know, if your ego is getting in the way, like in the moment, it probably is. But um, the way I've been managing it the past, you know, year or two years now is just training. So like I've been climbing for 10 years, but I think I've heard people talk about training age, like my training age is probably about two, two and a half years and having a plan and having a reason for a plan that I'm sticking with. Um, and just having like my next six weeks or so mapped out and knowing why I'm doing it gives me just a lot of focus and it helps me drown out, uh, maybe anything that would lead to me feeling intimidated or holding myself back. Um, so that's kind of how it's, it's been going. I would say in the last, um, in the last couple months, I've, I've honestly been struggling with climbing probably for some of those same reasons. I think with, you know, 
juggling running the gym through a pretty stressful year. And then we had to freeze in Texas uh, this February. Um, you know, it kind of made, it was a lot and it, it had flavors of, you know, everything that happened during quarantine. And so it was, um, you know, I wasn't climbing for a week due to that. And then I had a minor injury and had all these sort of like reasons to not be climbing or training, um, that were semi-valid, but then I found myself kind of staying away from it. So for now I've just, you know, I kind of recognized that and adjusted and made a training plan that doesn't include climbing right now. I'm hanging three times a week and just trying to get fit and running and I've like been enjoying running for the first time in a while. So I'm trying to keep my hopefully keep my climbing where it was, you know, a couple months ago and get my fingers strong. Um, but that's, that's where it is now. I'm having fun, but I think if I was going to make myself climb right now, I don't think I'd be having fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, good for you for, for recognizing that it's, uh, I was talking to Devin Dabney this morning. He was my first, um, chat this morning and, and it's easy to forget that the stress of your real life impacts your, your climbing, you know, yeah. impacts your exercise. If you're, if you're doing a lot of creative things in your real life, your creativity climbing might suffer and, and that's okay. You know, it's, it's, that's a totally fine thing and a totally normal thing. And, you know, seeing, you know, I, I follow you on Instagram and I saw you responding to the freeze in Texas, the way you were, and helping your friends and that can very easily take the the importance of climbing away and and should you know i mean by necessity that's what should happen and i think it's okay you you know you have to give yourself permission to not be as good at climbing as you were a couple of weeks ago when you were feeling really strong you know that's totally fine and and i think you're making a really fucking good choice and saying, I'm not going to be happy doing that right now. I'm going to do some training that makes me happy. And then, you know, once I am feeling good and physically ready to do it again, I'll go back to climbing. A lot of people can't do that. They feel like if I'm not climbing, I'm just going to fall apart, you know, like I'll, I'll never climb well again. Um, and it's just not true. Yeah. Hoping it's not true, but no, I know. Not true. <laughs> I guarantee yeah. you it's not true. Yeah. Climbing mm. is kind of an emotional sport too. At least Very. for me it is, you know, like there's so much fear involved in bouldering or sport climbing. Like there's so much emotional work that I find needs to be done in climbing that if I'm having emotions or really busy, you know, in my outside life, I don't have the emotional room to climb all the time. So it's been nice to find alternative things to stay stay fit so that when I come back to it I'm not like falling on these zeros and getting heckled by dudes at the gym (laughs) (laughs) the the worst thing possible that lurks in your gym (laughs) it might be true though you know one of the worst things possible are the bros that lurk in the corners so Which also hopefully all of this is in context. It's not the worst thing in the world by a long shot. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Well, Sid, I appreciate you taking the time out and and chatting with me. I I love hearing from people and especially people who I respect and admire. You know, I love hearing how these chapters, these little pointed stories that I write affect them. So, so thank you for this. Yeah, Chris. And thank you. I mean, this book was so much fun to read because, and to read more than once, because there are so many things that I'm sure everyone can connect with. And it's great to talk to somebody uh, I really respect also. So I appreciate it. Tomorrow, keeping perspective for the weekend warrior. We don't tweet. We scream like eagles. This time, 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 this time